Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every great conversation happens. We're back, and we are super excited to be here. We are talking with Steve Getting tonight. How are you doing, Steve? I'm, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and uh, so is Dobby, my co-host over here. <laughs> I just met Dobby, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so we're, we're excited to be here and having this great conversation with you about your life, authoring, and your new book out. So I'm going to give everybody just a short introduction so that we can just talk about the rest of it instead of listening to me talk the whole time because they, they listen to that all the time. So guys, uh, Steve Getting, since the age of 17, has traveled all over the nation and Canada, which has given him the unique ability to weave characters with vibrant stories and amazing plots. And let me tell you, after reading your backstory, I was like, okay, Steve, I see you. I see you going everywhere. <laughs> I have. So, okay. So I have to ask you, do you have one place that blew your mind? Like this place is get out of here. Like awesome. Wow. I have been to so many places that, uh, if, but if I had to pick a place, I would pick uh, Estes Park in the mountains. I stayed in the mountains for two weeks and we'd come down where we were, well, we'd jump in the Big Thompson. If you've, if you've ever been up around there, the Big Thompson is snow melt. And you jump in, you scream and you jump out and soap up and jump in and scream and jump out. But it was wonderful. I actually, uh, I was up there about uh, two weeks. We came down to take a bath and uh, it was a, well, we, of course, we went to the bar and had a good time. And, uh, you know, about midnight, we stumbled out. And I don't know if you're aware who's what the Stanley Motel is. It was the setting for uh, The Shining. And we walked around back there, and there was outside stairs. So <laughs> we walk up the outside stairs, and the it was unlocked. We went in, fifth floor. The doors were unlocked. So we went in and had a good time in the Stanley that night. And I kept seeing Jack Nicholson going, here's Johnny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my favorite memories. Oh, yeah. That's a cool memory to have right there. That's awesome. So what made you want to just go everywhere around the world? What was the driving force to make you start on your travels? My father, he was an FBI agent and uh, we... He, he was a self-defense instructor. I was actually born in Washington, D.C. And uh, wow. we taught a little bit together. And about the time I was 18, I grew wiser than my dad. And one day he started peeling off a shirt going, let's just see how good you are. And I was like, this is not a good day to die. <laughs> I ran out and climbed up in a tree. And mom, and mom and dad had a good laugh. And they went out to supper. And I came back and packed my bags and hit the road. <laughs> and he loves me. I mean, he loved me. But uh, it was yeah. just like... Uh, you know what, son, go out and get smart. <laughs> and yeah. I did it for several years. 
Wow. You know, it's so funny because I think there's a whole generation um, after our generations that doesn't understand that how parents taught us a lesson back in those days. Cause my mom, she would be, she would square up and she'd be like, Oh, okay. Well, let me teach you how, how this is going to go. If you want, if you want to run your mouth, well, let's, let's solve this. Let's go outside. Right. Let's solve this. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the age where you came to the table, you sat at the table, you ate, you had polite conversation, and then you got up and left. You know, yeah. I was, if it was about every third day, I had to do the dishes, of course, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> Life was totally different. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. It's so weird. You know, I've got grandsons, and they just look at me like, you did what? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, I don't have any grandchildren yet. And that's probably because I've warned both of my children. One's in college for his master's degree. The other one's, um, she's starting her senior year for a bachelor's degree. And I've told both of them, I says, I'm bringing no grandchildren home. And I'm not ready for that yet because I don't think that I'm ready to not grab them by the shirt and be like, listen. So I said, I'm not, I'm not settled down enough yet, but you know, looking at you, you travel the world, you did a lot of stuff. And I read that you had some brushes with the law yourself. But oh, one, of the, one of the fascinating things was you didn't stop there and let it define your life. No, I, uh, I, I actually, I hit the road, Jim and I, my, my, I call him my brother from a different mother uh, and he's, he's gone now, but uh, he's the, he's the co-character uh, in my books. But when we hit the, you know, when, when I ran away, I went and got him. He said, sure, let's go. And we left. But, uh, you know, it's just, we we did that. We came back, uh, spent several years you know, back and forth everywhere. And uh, one day, you know, I started getting older. And I, I think I hit about 38. And I said, you know, it's about time to do something. Went back to school, uh, got my degree in English with a minor in paralegal studies. And I, about that time, I said, Dad, what do you think it'd take to get my law degree? He was off oh, a year. I didn't know at the time he was bullshitting me. You know, I, <laughs> okay. And uh, that was before I started back to, to undergrad. And I went ahead and, and went through undergrad five years, went to law school for three more years, studied for the bar for another year. And about eight and a half years later, I got this little piece of paper that says I'm an attorney. I didn't stop there. I'm sitting down on the river, the river patrol wheels up in their boat. They go, why don't you run for prosecutor? And I go, I don't even know how to spell a damn word. I said, sure. And I won. I'm going, oh my God, what do I do now? You know, so I hit the ground running and I uh, started prosecuting cases. Loved it. Dearly loved it. Did that for eight years, switched sides and went into defense and uh, did that for another 12 years. And finally, I got burned out because I, I just could not stand people in divorces and stuff using their kids against each other. Yeah. So I went back to my first love writing, which I never stopped. I've always written poetry, but wow. I started writing books. So you say you always wrote. When? What was the earliest memory of a piece that you wrote? My mother uh, said that I wrote my first poem when I was seven. Oh, and, uh, but she said, oh, Steve, Walter Stephen, it was just dark. <laughs> I'm a fat little kid. How can I write dark stuff? <laughs> some of the most creative minds write some pretty dark stuff when they get real deep into their minds. That's the craziest part about it. It's just the mind gets really wide open, I think. And my craziness hasn't stopped. I've raised bees now for a hobby, and uh, it's been about four days ago. And it, they swarmed, 
now, which is nothing more than a hive split, and, and uh, half of the hive gets a new queen, they take off for greener pastures. Well, they land in a tree not far from my hive, and, and uh, I said, I want to catch these little boogers, you know. I go out, I get another box, and I got it sitting underneath them, and it's called what's called a beard, and eight or 10,000 of them will get in a big clump. I reached up and took them in my hands. I had gloves on, but I had this clump of bees, probably 10,000 bees in my hand, and I felt so proud, you know, and until I dropped them. I tripped and dropped my bees, you know, and they were looking up at me like, you big monster, you know. I thought they had attacked me, but no, they crawled back up and got their queen, and I put them in the box, and all was well. But I wrote a poem about it, and it's uh, it's on my, my website, walterstephengeating.com. Uh, Nancy just put it on there, so it's this week's blog. Wow. So, so my craziness has not stopped, it's just took a different curve <laughs> and now you write about all of it and people get to share in it oh yes yeah there's a blog about what happened to me and then there's a five stanza poem about it wow so your your latest book is the second volume of endless time series correct correct okay it, it, uh, i've actually got two more finished one's uh almost done editing and the fourth one is in the safe waiting so and i'm on the fifth one so. the fifth wow so gosh so i'm i'm like i'm on the second volume and i'm like and you've already got the fifth one written i'm i'm working on the fifth one okay there, I, you've got uh, you know the path of cocopelli which is the original one my uh -huh. flagship book and then you've got to murphy's diggings which you're working on Okay. And then I'm making tracks, which is about the building of the Transcontinental Railroad with the two characters. And then the uh, fourth one is West Coast Turnaround. And then the fifth one is Gringos. Nice. So what would you say that these fall under? What is the main plot or main message of these books? The message, the, the core message is, uh, you know, there's, in the first book, the core message, it's all about growing up. The, the, there's always a journey. And in the first book, The Path of Cocopelli, the uh, guys, you know, two carefree friends, and uh, they discover, you know, how to do it. And uh, they go, but it's a, it's a two men are, are boys inside. They, they've, uh, you know, they, they don't have anything. They don't hold on to anything very long. They've hit the road. They've been out there forever. And all they've done is have fun and experiences. Well, they, they go into it and they, and they find it. They go, aha, treasure. Well, let's go get some more treasure once they figured out how to do it. They go into 1822 New Mexico, which is the first year the New Mexicans allowed traders to come in, United States traders, to come in. And they go and they find William Becknell, who was the first trader to come in there. He created the Santa Fe Trail, and they hooked up with him. And, they, and they're all about the money still, but... Life was William Becknell, the, the original trader, the savage Jacaria Apache, and the Mexican Hidalgos change them. And they feel these little boys that are looking out as grown men fading away, and it fades away forever. So they take a journey, but they take two journeys. One is the journey to get treasure, and the other one is a journey of self-discovery, which I personally have had that journey of, of self-discovery. Yeah. And they come back, and they've got two treasures. They've got silver which they immediately get rid of to save their Wyoming home. And then the second treasure, which is worth so much more, they've discovered that they've got integrity and honor and they've got self-worth and it's worth so much more than money. 
Yeah, I was when you said that you went on that journey of self-discovery, I was going to ask you that because you went from leaving at 17 and traveling to all these fantastic places. And you also talk about how you had so many different jobs from a YMCA instructor, painting water towers, building homes, photo lab technician. So does all of this culminate, like all that experience, does that kind of guide your character's self-discovery and adventures in these books? They, the, the main characters in the book, their main memories are from when they were just the footloose characters. The, my jobs came a little after that, uh, okay. because, except the water tower jobs. I, I was hooked in there. And of course, my friend regularly tried to kill me, and I was regularly saving his life. I can't remember how many times I've literally <laughs> saved his life. He stepped wow. off a mountain when he was drunk, and I pulled him back. He was trying to get his canteen. Uh, he nailed himself between the eyes with a hammer and fell off backwards, and I reached. I was up there with him. We're 110 feet above the ground, and I reached out and grabbed him and said, and blood just pouring out of his head. We lowered ourselves down and had a few beers. You know? And wow. I got that in the first book. You know, you, I'm sure you read it. And then uh, it just one thing after another. We rolled a car, and... Uh, it, and it flipped end over end and side to side, and I'm in the front seat. And I remember the driver. I, I said, "Blair, are you okay?" And he goes, "Yeah, I just got thrown out about the second row. I'm back here on the road. You guys get out of here because we were both on probation." <laughs> okay, <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm laying where the driver should have been, and I'm looking up because the car's laying on the side through the passenger window, and Jim's knocked out cold in the back. And about that time, the motor catches on fire, and I'm going, "Oh well, crap! This is not a good place to be." So I crawl up through the window and crawl down on the passenger window, reach down, and we both had real long hair. I reached, I grabbed Jimmy's bright red hair, and I grabbed a big hunk of his hair and just drug him straight up out of the, and by the time we got to the window, he's cussing like a sailor, so I knew he was all right. And so I <laughs> saved his life there, so I did just time after time after time. Yeah. yeah, that's a sure sign that he's all right when he's cussing like a sailor. That's, oh, yeah. that's a yeah. good analogy right there. You're like, oh, you can still cuss, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we, went, we were on our way to a party, and we went to the party had a good time. <laughs> that's funny. When you say he had bright red hair, that I, I envisioned my uncle. His nickname is Jammer because he traveled around the world in, in different bands. He was their um, equipment guy. He was the sound guy. And um, he tells me of stories kind of like yourself. And I just, I can envision all of it. But I wonder whenever you, you settled down and, and uh, went to school and became a lawyer, did the adventures stop? Or is that when the adventures started to go on? Well, by paper? that time, uh, Jim died when uh, Jim was 27. Oh, wow. And uh, he got murdered. Uh, but, uh, hmm. I, but he, uh, and I was married, and but uh, I remember he was living out in Colorado. He had a wonderful lady out there, and he uh, there was a, a mistake happened. He'd loaned a buddy his car, and uh, the buddy went out, and he the buddy was uh, dating the mayor's daughter. Well, he slapped her around. Well, the mayor's mama, uh, wife, and son goes looking. Well, Jim had got his car back. He's driving down the street, and they thought it was Jim. Oh. The mayor's son clocked him with a ball bat, and Jim was, I mean, Jim was tough, six-foot tall brick, and uh, he just proceeded to just tear this guy up, and then him and his concussion go to the hospital and get get fixed. Well, Jim sued, 
and he won. He was set to collect about a quarter million dollars. And right before collection time, they found him dead out in the oil field where he worked with a needle hanging out of his arm full of cocaine. They go, oh, he's just a dead junkie. Well, he didn't do cocaine. I, I know he didn't. And so, and out there, it's just, you know, just outside Aspen or somewhere where he's at. But uh, he, uh, they said, yeah, he's he just a dead junkie. And they never investigated. It was over with. So mm. that's that's why every memory I have, it's all about Jim and I and our, and our travels. And it was so wild and free. We had no rules. It was yeah. wonderful. You know? Yeah, that's when, that's when the world was... A beautiful place. Yeah. And, and it I, wasn't like everybody tried to hurt you all the time. Yeah. I, we hitchhiked a lot and we never had problems. Yeah. And as sad as the thought of him being gone is, he never had to see what we had to see. So you're correct. Yeah. yeah. So there there's the there's the glory in him not being here is he got to live free his entire life. He really did. Yeah. And the thing is, he's alive in my mind today because we have yeah. adventures on a daily basis. It, it sounds like it. And, and you're still writing more adventures, stories. Oh, yes. yeah. And he, and the beautiful thing about literature is people can live forever. Yeah. You well, can make and that's why I write about time because time is a continuum. I truly believe it. And I have a physical manifestation called synesthesia. And it's an actual manifestation. And a smell or a taste or something will trigger it. And it's, I mean, it's a phenomenon. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, mine is wet pine tree smell from above Estes Park. And the second I smell that wet pines, I am there. And it's not just a memory. You are there for about two or three seconds. And I mean, you can smell it. You can see it. You can everything. And just, just as quick, you're back. Wow. You know, I, that sounds amazing because there's some places that I would love to to be at all over again. Some, not so much, but others, others I would love. Is there other places that you get to remember in that way? Well, mainly that, that trigger is just, just in the mountains. But yeah, that's good. Which that's is a, fine because that's my favorite place anyway. So. Yeah, I can only imagine. So with with these stories, do you have a message that you want to share with people through these stories, whether it be, you know, just to be free and, and wild sometimes in your life or or something else? The, the core the core message in these books is that you can take your journeys, you can make your money, you can you can do everything, but but in your journey recognize growth recognize your personal growth and 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 don't despise it you know you're gonna you're gonna live one way or the other unless you have the unfortunate luck that jim had but as you as you live grow grow with it and be happy you know because you're going to be better that's true that's true a lot of people are scared of growing and changing because they think that a part of them will be lost but what they don't understand is you gain so many more parts of yourself and had you never changed from the, the the kid who was traveling and partying and living free you wouldn't have wrote these phenomenal stories to share with the world and, and you know i always say no guts no glory you know which is true you know you, so yeah. many people want to do that but they also want to say well it's quitting time uh, and have a safety net well jim and i 
traveling for years, and we never had a safety net. I mean, it was just us. But, uh, you know, I write these stories that so people can, can see them, you know, and say, well, I'd sure like to do that. And I'm going, well, just sit down, kick your feet up, and read one of these books. And for a while, you will. Yeah. Now, you have 14 grandchildren. I do. So how I'm often... I'm sorry, go ahead. I lost one. I lost my oldest grandson, got killed in a car wreck. I'm sorry to hear that. My, been a while, my heart and prayers are with your whole entire family. But how often do you get to have them sitting with you and you get to tell these stories? Oh, pretty much my, my oldest son's family is right here in town. You know, and his, uh, his wife works with me. We, she's got a little eBay store in my office. So I see her all the time and we go over there. And uh, so we have a good time. And my very first wife, who actually went on some of these trips with Jim and I, uh, she's part of the family. So she comes over and we all just have a great time sitting around. And uh, I'll be telling the story. She'll be going, Stephen, you should have been dead on that one. I'm going, yeah, I know, <laughs> You're like, yeah, but God, God had other plans for me. And I'm yeah. still here and I'm still doing those plans. So what is it? what does it feel like when you're able to write your stories down and share it with the world? What does that feel like when you publish one of your books you get it out there and it's out do you... it uh, it's a feeling of release you know I, i've i've completed a, a part of my journey but it's just uh, i immediately by the time i get one done i'm already thinking three books ahead so it's that wow. I, my i often say my my brain is in the tips of my fingers and I put my finger and I, I write all my stuff out longhand still to start with but uh, <laughs> I, you know I'll sit here and let my fingers do the thinking you know and I'm gonna go what am I gonna be writing next <laughs> you know so it's exciting wow. I never know what my characters are gonna do till the end of the chapter wow did you plot them out or are you just writing no, no, as it no. comes There's, I've never written a plot ever that's so cool I love that you're allowing your characters to guide your hand. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, it's so easy for me because I can, uh, you know, if I write a chapter of the book, I've got another chapter and a half of adventures that are actually true that I mailed in with my fiction. And so I'm writing about three novels at the same time. That's phenomenal. It takes a lot for somebody to be able to go between the three. What do you attest that uh, skill to? Is there something in your life that you've been able to look back and go, had I not learned that or had I not been able to do that, I wouldn't be able to move between three different plots and three different stories and weave these oh, wonderful absolutely. stories. You know, I've got a lot of friends, well, not a lot, but I've got several friends that went to law school straight out of high school. I could sit there and talk to them about uh, stuff that I have done when they were just getting out and starting law many years ago, and they're just shaking their heads. They have no real life experience. Real life experience sets you on the path and makes you a better man or woman. I don't care who you are, where you are, when you are. The experience and having the guts to step out of your comfort zone and go for it is what makes you. Amen. I agree with you. You've got to live. I tell people that all the time. If you ain't living, then you ain't living. Plain That's and simple. exactly right. You know, yeah. the whole thing is, you know, I, there's more to life. Than, than breathing and eating, you know, and it's called, it's, it, it's called, you know, getting out there and doing something while you're alive. Yeah. 
Yeah, experience it. Get out of your square block and see what everybody's doing. Get a little nosy with the world. Right. <laughs> it sounds Sorry, like the world got... don't like you. They're going to tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you got pretty nosy with the world, right? <laughs> I did for a long time. So, did you ever make it down to Texas? Oh, which, uh, which time? I've been I've been all over. Yeah. Okay. Yes, well... I I. Uh, I played in uh, parts of Texas where the mosquitoes were as big as my hand, and they had uh, little strings at the alligator. You can still see the alligator dens, and we're wading up and down this creek, and our guide was going, oh, we trapped those out years ago. Uh And uh, (laughs) go swimming in the Gulf, and you can see all the little hammerhead sharks and stuff where step on the beach, and you go, oh, the big ones are way out there. And I'm going, "Uh uh-huh. But we did anyway. So I will tell you, the mosquitoes are still as big as your hand. Yep, that's true down here. And when you say the Gulf, where, was it Galveston? Oh, we were outside of Orange. Is there Orange, Texas, a little, little there, place? There is, yeah. We're, we're the southernmost tip. We're on the border by the sea. So okay, I've been no to Galveston south. several times. Yeah, we're, we're about eight hours south of Galveston, if you can believe there's more south. Wow. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's. I always like to ask people, have you ever been to Texas? Because I mean, it's its own country a lot of times. Um, okay, all right. How about Indiana? Can you tell us Indiana, a story about Indiana? Terre Haute. We uh, we were painting water towers. We yeah. I had this I had this old crappy 1952 van, and we left Neosho, Missouri. Jim and I, of course, and uh, I think it was like our. It might have been our first job. And, and we're, we're cruising up there. Well, we blew the motor, Terrell. <laughs> and, and Jim was a fancy dresser. He'd wear stuff I wouldn't get caught dead in. But he'd yeah. wear the friend stuff and all that. And I'd be, you look like a sissy boy. But you know what? <laughs> he'd go, yeah, you just, you're jealous. Like, yeah, whatever. But uh, we're at this field station, and, and uh, we are waiting for a bus. And I think we were going to Ocean City, Maryland, is where we was heading for. And... Uh, we left. We got on the bus and we left. And about 24 hours later, Jim goes, oh, my God, my clothes. I left them in the filling station. I about fell over laughing. He had a whole <laughs> rack of brand new nice clothes. I go, well, you can jump out and go kill him. <laughs> I feel really bad, man, but there's a door. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. So that's my, t- that's my Indiana story. Well, Terre Haute, I'll tell you, the water tower in Terre Haute always welcomed me home as I drove from Texas all the way up to Indianapolis, because Indianapolis is where I'm originally from. So um, so if you was painting that water tower, I'll tell you what, then we was we were ships passing in the night at some point <laughs> or the other. But, oh, man, I can sit here and just call off different places and we would have a good laugh forever. But I, I'll tell you what. Steve, I bet you would do this with everybody. You you just seem like that person that everybody wants to talk to. I am a bullshitter extraordinaire. I, but I love that. I love that because those are my type of people. It served me well in the law. Uh, at uh, you know, a, as a matter of fact, my whole history served me well in the law. I would, you know, part of the time I was a criminal, part of the time I was a nerd do well. Uh, <laughs> then I then I became a prosecutor and. and I wrote a little bit about it, but I can't count the times I'd sit in there as prosecutor and, and the attorney, you know, we'd let the, I'd let the defendant yeah. hear us talking in a prelim. I go, you know, uh, and the defense attorney go, my guy says he did this. And I go, bullshit, been there, done that. Here's what happened. And uh, I'd say, here's my plea offer. It's a good deal. It expires. 
when you leave the courtroom today. So I was using my past as a criminal to work over a defender, a public defender or a defense attorney and getting a, and getting a satisfactory prosecutorial result. That yeah. turned out really good. That's your experience on the road and getting better. I would never have had that if I hadn't been out there. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating because people don't realize when you gain experience in life, it helps you at work. It helps you with your relationships it, in marriage. It helps you with your children. Anything you do, your stories in your books are more dynamic, fuller, and you're able to articulate things that people are going to connect with because of that. I, I had a, one of the book reviewers said, if you like epistolary fiction, you'll like these books. You know? And I, I didn't know what epistolary meant. <laughs> I had to go look it up. And it means, it means a book written around letters. And I go, wow. You know? And then I started thinking, and the book is written around the letters of Donna Maria Elizabeth DeVia, who left the letters and said, this is, what, this is how you use the time figure. And so I did, okay, so I, I write epistolary novels. There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, I think everybody, obviously the whole entire world isn't going to have an opportunity to talk to you. But what they can do is they can read your books because that right there is going to give them the opportunity to have a sit-down conversation like we've had tonight. And, and if you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. If, if you want to see the inner workings of my mind a little more, go to WalterStevenGeating.com. I, I blog on there regularly, and uh, I, I do little excerpts from the book, Interactions Between Jim and I, and everyone that's in there is true. I was so, And then I write poetry, and I put my poetry in there on my blogs and write a little a few lines about my blog. So I, I do, and it, it's all more current stuff than the book. So if you're... You know, if you want to see the inner workings of my mad mind, go and visit my WalterTheoryGeating.com. Yeah, and I just put your websites here uh, in the comments. So anybody on YouTube or the Facebook page, they have a clickable link. But anybody that's going to watch the, or not watch, but listen to the podcast later in the week when we get it up on Apple and Spotify and Audible, it's W-A-L-T-E-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-G-E-E-D-I-N-G.com. So they'll be able to grab that link. But, I mean, honestly, you could just sit here and just pick a city or a state. And there's this whole story wrapped around it. But if since one, I'll invent one if I don't have one. <laughs> and it'd be believable because it's yeah. just that's just how your mind works. That's my but, bullshitness. <laughs> it works. It works. I love it. it. You know, it's funny because I'll tell stories all the time where I'll my my husband, I'll something will happen and I'll be like, I gotta tell my mom. He was like, Oh, I'm gonna leave the house for this one because it's gonna be a tall tale. But I, it's just funny because telling it in a dramatic and way that you do it just makes it better storytelling. And it since you don't get to have a conversation with Steve and we don't have hours to sit here and conversate, which I wish we did, you can read the books and you right. can hear those phenomenal stories that are so vibrant like the life that is just inside of you exuberating off the screen and I, I, 
until my mother passed a few years ago. She'd go, Walter Stephen, you can't put that one in there yet. The statute of limitations hadn't run. Okay, <laughs> mom, I'll keep that one in. <laughs> that's that's where being a lawyer comes in handy for there you. you. <laughs> and it's made and being a lawyer more late, later on in my life uh, in the books, especially the second one. Uh, it might be the first one. I I did some uh, legal wanderings, you know, in, in when the uh, heirs were trying to take the ranch. And all the legalese that's in there came to me because I had went to law school. It made it very believable because it's all accurate. Nice. Uh, so many lives lived in one lifetime for you, and you still have so many more to live and so many more years and books inside of you. So what's your next project that you're, you said you're working on three books right now? Well, I, I'm working on uh, book number five, which is Gringos. I've actually uh, just completed a children's book. Uh, it's a shorty, but um, I, it's going to be an animated. Hopefully, nice. if it is, I'll get a hold of you. And, and, uh, and yeah, I've got it. Uh, you know, it's in manuscript form right now, but I'm getting really close. So. Awesome. Yeah, and definitely that, reach back out to us. That one's all about uh, Kramat, the, the little frog Kramat. It's not Kermit, it's Kramat, because when he was a baby, he'd eat so much, and his mom and dad said he didn't eat his food, he'd just cram it all in there. So he's Kramat <laughs> the frog. <laughs> I love that. It, I, that's adorable. And when that comes out, it, you have to get back in touch with us, because we're going to have to have you back on the show. Absolutely. I've, I've had an absolute blast talking to you, Steve, and I could sit here and do it for hours and probably never get tired. Well, that's that's I just start rattling and I get go. You know, I've got notes laying around, and Nancy goes, "You never look at any of that crap anyway. Why do you have it out there? It makes me feel good." <laughs> you know, mine's all electronic, so I had mine up here, so I get you. I totally get you. I have to, but I have those in case I don't know what to say. But I think that we're almost the same type of person where once we feel comfortable enough, it just goes and we don't need our notes. So well, you, just bounce, you just bounce stuff off each other. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, you know, once you, those new books come out, make sure you reach back out and come back on the porch because I think that you have this vibrant spirit that just has a lot to say and your stories are so connectable for people because they're about life's experiences. And like you said, growing into your own skin. And that's what we're all about here at the author's porch is letting everyone realize that you can grow into your own skin and live those life experiences. If you just take the opportunity and take a chance on yourself. But like everyone knows, I get to talk and sometimes I don't give an opportunity for the author to get everything out there. So is there anything that you want to uh, talk about that we did not discuss here on the show so far? I, I would think you've got it as far as the core message. You know, if you're not there yet, don't despise yourself because you're not there. Take another step. You'll get there. It's all one step at a time. You know, you don't think about the whole journey. It's the next step. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your message, for the wonderful life that you've lived and was willing to come and share it with us because that's going to hit somebody that's going to touch them. It's going to help them live the life that they're supposed to live. So thank you for sharing that with us here on the show tonight, Steve. Everybody come back and watch another episode. We'll be back on tomorrow at 5 p.m. We have another great guest coming to you. Don't forget that it's May and that means that you have until the 1st of June to submit anything for the Author's Porch magazine because on the 4th of July comes another issue. So make sure that you guys get your submissions in admin 
or theauthorsporch.com. I was like, email, website, which one? I don't know. It's getting late. I get tired. You know, that happens in your middle ages. So, you guys, thank you so much for watching tonight. Steve, thanks again for being here. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, Steve. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.